Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Elizabeth again doing another show without Mariana, but instead today I have the awesome Stacy Sargent here with me, and she is going to talk to me about her um, incredible author journey, and um, we'll talk about writing and nano and all kinds of crazy cool stuff. So welcome, Stacy. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here too. You've been on the show before. Yes, this is my second time. Yeah. Remind me what we talked about the last time because I don't even remember. Um, The last time was in January, like two days after my book went live on Amazon as an ebook. And so just it was the very beginning of my author journey. Oh, my goodness. And in January. Wow. Time flies. I know. (laughs) So you're also um, you're also a dog owner. I hear. Yeah. See on the webs that you're a dog owner like Mariana and I are always geeking out about our dogs and tag is in here curled up on his bed with me right now while I'm while I'm recording. (laughs) Yeah. Hurley just galloped through the room a minute ago for no reason. Like he gets these crazy things where he wants to run sometimes. So um, he did that a minute ago and now he's crashed on the bed with his, he has this Darth Vader toy that I got him. Mm -hmm. Um, to chew on, but it's like his teddy bear, like his lovey now. So he's all cuddled up on the bed with Darth Vader. That's funny. I have, I just got tag another, um, like, have you seen those Kong Wubba's they have at the store? They're yeah. That, like have the little legs on them and they're squeaky. Uh-huh. Um, so he's been through like three of them because he always chews the leg parts off of them. Oh, no. <laughs> so then there's like nothing left of them but the squeaky. And you're like, okay, well, and the squeaky's fine, but like he wants – he likes to chew the legs off of them. So I just got him a new one a couple days ago and he's just like in love with it. And I had to put it like somewhere else while we were recording because otherwise you'd hear him like talking in the background oh, as he talks yeah. to his toy. He's like, oh, you're so cute, toy. <laughs> <laughs> but – um, I love it when he gets all excited about it. I'm like, that's so cute, my dog. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're adorable. Yeah. And you adopted Hurley from a shelter. Is that right? Um, yeah. I got him from a local dog rescue. Yeah. That's awesome. Which was How like, old is he? he is, we think he's seven. I've had him for five years and they estimated that he was about two when um, he was found. Okay. He's starting to get gray hair under his chin. Like he's got a little bit of, you know, he's starting to look like an older guy. And it makes me sad. I'm sure. Yeah. Tag is about seven too, but he's um, like gray colored normally. I mean, he has Uh, white white on him and then he's like gray um, because he's a bloomerol. So that's that gray color. Um, So people are always like, is he really old? And I'm like, no, (laughs) that'll look different. (laughs) That'll, That'll look a lot different, but I haven't noticed it yet. And I'm... I'm scared for like the the day that I notice that he's an old dog. I'll be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hurley's like a dark chocolate color. So it's really oh, yeah. easy to spot the gray hair. Really obvious. And, um, yeah. yeah. And so I don't, I don't really notice it until I see older pictures of him like come up in my time hop. And then I realize how much darker <laughs> he was then. Oh, what a good boy. Oh, dogs are the best. Yeah. Yay for being in the dog club. That's yes. Awesome. I love him. <laughs> So, um, so let's talk about, let's talk about nano for a few minutes. How about that? Okay. <laughs> because you just started, um, like doing the whole nano thing this year, right? Yes. In fact, I started 10 days late this year and this is my first <laughs> nano experience. And I was, I was peer pressured into it by you mm-hmm. and Mariana, um, on the podcast, literally calling me out by name. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's Mariana for you. I mean, I would definitely peer pressure anybody I can into nano because I think it's amazing. But um, but yeah, that's Mariana for you. <laughs> yeah, like I was I was listening to I usually listen to the podcast in my car, and so I was on my way home from work one night, like 1:30 a.m. I get off work at 1 a.m. and um, so I'm listening to the podcast, and you guys were talking about nano, and Mariana's talking about how she's writing sort of a memoir with it, which I'd always thought, you know, I couldn't do it because I'm not working on a fictional novel. Mm -hmm. Um, so she says that, and I start thinking, I wonder if I should do nano, and then that moment, Mariana <laughs> says, Stacy, if you're listening, you. Should should do nano <laughs> yes that's awesome you're like oh hey <laughs> yes maybe i should do nano All right i guess so just told me <laughs> that's awesome so um so what do you think so far um yeah i really like it it's it's good having motivation to write like i've done some of the virtual write-ins i haven't gotten to do a physical write-in yet but um mm -hmm. but i like just the virtual ones where you have sort of I forget what they call them, like word contests, like seeing who can sprints. get the most. Yeah, sprints. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like like that or where they give you um, idea prompts, which not all of them work for the kind of book I'm writing. But still, um, it's just fun to have sort of the community experience of writing because usually writing is such an um, isolating thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking you up right now because I wanted to see how your word count is and look at you, girl. Yeah. I'm that over 20,000 awesome. now. <laughs> Good job in 10 days. That's impressive. Yeah. That's I'm hoping impressive. to get, um, to get to halfway this weekend for sure. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Um, it's not, it's never easy, like coming into the process in the middle, um, yeah, and and people get easily intimidated, and then you know even people who start at the beginning they fall behind, and they're like, oh my gosh, what you know, I'm never gonna catch up. But like, for me, the point of nano is sometimes it's not even about the winning; it's about the like pressing forward. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's really um, it's good for me because I have a tendency to like I'm sort of a perfectionist, so uh -huh. it's really hard for me to to not self edit as I go along. Yep, welcome to the club. <laughs> So this is good for me to say, you know, I have to I have to just write a lot. It doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to yeah. be my best writing, but I need to keep writing words. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is like, you know, it's funny when, when we talk about self-editing, I think some people like they're like, well, you know, it's not a bad thing if you like change the words or like, you know, if you think of some better way to say it or if you like notice that you spelled something wrong and I'm like, yeah, okay. So that's one thing. But the problem is when it like, when it holds me back from actually writing at all, yes. because you're like, no, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. And the point is that you can't, you really can't edit something that's not there yet. Uh -huh. So like for me, like nano is about putting that editor, that critic, that's like, this isn't good enough. You shouldn't write it. I put it away. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you just go hide for a while because I'm going to put some words on paper um, or on the screen because, you know, I do it all on the screen now. But like this year, I think for me is the first year where it's really like clicked. I mean, because I I like have less than 2000 words till I get to 50 thousand words and it's only day 20. Yeah. Um, I know you are amazing. It's this is the first year that I'm like really in the zone with it. And I'm like, it doesn't even matter because like before that, I really, I was that self editor too. And, and I do that in a lot of areas of my life where like, I don't take a risk. I don't say something. I don't like put words on paper. Um, because 
it doesn't meet some standard of perfection or ideal that I have, like that's imaginary because people are putting stuff out there all the time that is not at that standard, you know, like, and they're being successful with it and people appreciate it and they want to connect to that. But I, for some reason, don't allow myself to do that. Mm -hmm. So like nano is my chance to like condition myself out of that and like really get to the fun part of creating. Remember, remind myself that, oh yeah, I like to write. This is fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I might have, I mean, I'm at the end of November, I'll have 50,000 words hopefully to work with. And some of those I might end up cutting out and other ones, like I know there's, you know, color I want to add around things and descriptions of places and people and stuff like that, that I'm not including right now, but I'm going to have these 50,000 words as a starting point. And that's amazing. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. And, and it's like one of those things that like, I mean, I call it aggressive note taking <laughs> because like, you know, at the end of 50,000 words, you don't, you don't have a complete manuscript. And right. You barely have, you know, the, the base for it, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I mean, most manuscripts end up being like 80,000 words to get like a full story arc together or to get all of the descriptors in that you need to be able to tell your story the way that you want to tell it. So, yeah. like, you know, you're going to have to add a lot anyways. And I'm adding to something that I already had. Um, but, um, yeah, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, I need to be able to put the framework together so that I can go back and add those other things and so that it can be what I want it to be later. Um, but, yes. yeah, so I love Nano. I think it's amazing. And I'm so glad that you joined. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I think that um, hopefully this won't be my last time. I think it won't be. I hope not because like, (laughs) I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like it, it's one of those things where maybe it doesn't work exactly the way you want to, or maybe you don't reach exactly the goal that you want to this time, but like, there's still like enough wiggle room in the whole like framework that they have that you can, um, you can iterate your process and figure out how to do it differently next time, you know? And for me, like the, the community aspect of the whole thing, um, is huge is like, um, it makes it worth it, you know, like, so maybe next time I write at different times of day or I use a different program or, um, I, you know, like go about it a completely different way. But, um, but like there's still the people there that are encouraging me and there's that group effort of like we're all doing this together right yeah. now. Um, and that that momentum really is super useful to me. I enjoy it. So, yeah, it's fun to me every day. Like I'm in the the Charleston, South Carolina, you know, area on Nano. And so uh-huh. they have they have the little the stats of how many words the Charleston group has written at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and we're up to like almost 3 million words or something. And it's just so cool to watch that number climb every day and know that there are all these people writing with me. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I've actually really enjoyed being um, I'm the co-ML for my area. So ah. people don't know what ML is. ML is municipal liaison, which means basically I'm the volunteer um, like person, the volunteer, uh, um, there's a word there, representative, I guess, for Nano in um, my region. And then my friend Rose is also, she's another one. I just met her since we're co-MLs together. Um, 
Cool. But like, so, you know, we set up the writing events and we like, you know, welcome people in and encourage them with their writing and, um, you know, like give people pep talks and like cheer them on. And, and I've really been enjoying doing that. I feel like that's a job that like I was born to do. It's a role <laughs> I'm born to play. Um, just really to like be there and like be doing the creating myself, but also being encouraging other people at the same time. And um, so I've been really enjoying that. And somebody asked me, they they were like, so why did you want to be an ML? And, you know, I was telling them all the reasons that I love Nano. And I was like, but really, like when it comes down to it, I wanted writing buddies. And this is an easy way to like just reach out to random people and be like, hey, you're a writer. Let's hang out together. <laughs> <laughs> so and it works because they keep coming. I'm like, look, you're all here. Yeah. <laughs> so. So how did you get to be an ML? Um, they, so while I'm in this kind of small region, YOLO, that just, it's the name of our county, YOLO County. Everybody's okay. like, ha ha ha, YOLO. I'm like, <laughs> you no, only we were once. around before the phrase was, <laughs> but anyways, um, but so like it just split off from a bigger region, from the Sacramento region, um, a couple of years ago. And so like, I think last year was the first year that it was its own region uh -huh. and they had a different ML last year and she was like new to the process. And she was actually, I think new to nano, which surprised me because I was wow. like, how in the world do you like go to try and like organize this when you have no idea what's going on? Yeah, um, That would be so hard. Um, but so then she didn't come back for this year. And so they put out that there was a vacancy in our area. And I was like, I saw the like email and they were like, applications are due by next week. And Ooh. I was like, I should do that. And there's like, no, 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 I shouldn't do that. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it anyways. And so I submitted an application and I didn't hear back right away. And so I was like, la, 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 just going on with life. And then one day I got an email. I was like, congratulations, you're a co-ML for Yolo County. And I was like, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. But I was like, look, I'm now I'm part of this and I get to like do this and talk to people and write with people. And it was just really exciting. So yeah, that's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's really just a good way for me to like connect with people and, um, and volunteer and I don't know, and just be my normal weird self and people don't care. <laughs> because they're all weird too. <laughs> exactly. Because we writers are weird. Yes. Let's be weird it. together. <laughs> so but yeah, I have um, actually really high hopes for this uh, manuscript that I'm working on this time. This is my fifth year doing Nano. Wow! And so like I've I've worked on stuff before that is like trunked and will probably never ever see the light of day. Um, and I uh, had planned on working on something else for Nano this year, like a brand new project. But um, this project that I am working on now was not done when I got to November. So I was like, I'm just going to keep working on it because I really want to finish telling this story. But, um, so like I, I have a short story coming out in an anthology in an anthology next year. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm kind of excited about it. It's a, it's a prequel idea to, um, to this novel. And it was kind of a way for me to work out some more about that character, um, before I like completed writing the novel. And so now like, that that's out there. That's actually the first time that I've put my fiction out there for other people to 
read and give me feedback on and things like that. And, and people are really liking it. So I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm more motivated to like finish this novel because people might actually want to read it. And it yeah. Something that like festers and dies in the corner on Amazon somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the nightmare, isn't it? Right. <laughs> I mean, cause there's, yeah. But, um, and so like, I, you know, there's like, you know, it's going to probably be an indie published novel. Um, either, either Mariano will help me with it or I'm going to just do it on my own. Um, but like, I'm so I'm not going to try to traditionally publish or anything like that, but, um, yeah. but we'll see, we'll see how it goes and hopefully it will go. And so it's been fun, like hanging out with these characters and creating things. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's fun. But so you cool. um, you write not fiction, you write a memoir, right? You've been writing your story and, and you have a really interesting story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Um, yeah. So my first book, which was published this year, um, is basically about my first year as a hospital chaplain um, in a level one trauma center here in Charleston and just dealing with the, the crisis and blood and guts, life and death kind of stuff that happens in a hospital and um, how that affected me, what I learned from it and sort of what I learned about myself and about God and about other people. Um, so I put all of that into the first book and mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it's been, you know, it's been scary and wonderful having it out there because it is such a personal thing yeah. <laughs> um, when you're literally writing your life story and having other people, you know, leaving it open to critique from the outside world. It's kind of terrifying, but, but it's gotten good response so far. Yeah. You have to take the good with the bad on that, right? I mean, like you don't yeah. have to take the bad technically, you know, like like if there's ways that you can distill nuggets of like valuable criticism out of it, then that's one thing. But if there's not, then you just put that in a box and burn it later. <laughs> right. Yeah. And nobody, like I haven't had any really, really horrible, like personal attack kind of stuff. Like that's good. Um, oh, like I have to tell you, I had this nano nightmare the other night because, because I have been writing so much the past few days and it was obviously on my mind, even my subconscious mind. So um, I had been listening to a podcast, the double X podcast from slate magazine before I went to bed. And that night I had a nightmare that I finished this book that I'm working working on a nano and slate magazine reviewed it uh-huh. and and I was reading the review and I only got through the first few lines which said that it was quote pedantic tripe written at a fourth grade level <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then out of the blue, nightmare. my ex-boyfriend showed up to tell me why he agreed with it. And yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and it was so specific. Wow. Yeah. Your monsters are really specific when they come to you <laughs> in your dreams. My goodness. Yeah. So, so nobody has said anything about that, like that, about the actual <laughs> book that I've published so far. So that's, well, that's good. good. Sheesh. <laughs> yeah. Don't let that scare you out of writing. You just got to keep telling it. Tell the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, do you want to talk to us about like your your experiences as an author and like if it's how let's ask it this way. Um is it is it meeting your expectations being um, a published author? Yes and no. I mean, in some ways it's exceeded my expectations, and in other ways it's been really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um 
I the the feedback that I've gotten like it hasn't it hasn't been sold to thousands of people like I was you know like I imagined and hoped when you publish a book I think you have delusions of grandeur right <laughs> um, most of us do anyway so so it hasn't gotten as wide of an audience as I you know had hoped that it would mm-hmm. um and it's hard work selling it you know it's it's a lot of traveling and a lot of um, talking to people about it and blogging about it and tweeting about it. And mm-hmm. you have to work hard for every copy that you sell. You know, you kind of imagine that once you write the book and get the book published, you can just sit back and say, whew, glad that's over. Yeah. Um, but that's really when the hard work starts. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think that that is what the literature says as well. Like if you look at other author experiences, like it's, we all tell ourselves that it's just going to sell like hotcakes, right? And that's right. going to be so easy and that, oh, you know, like it'll sell itself. Um, and then like when reality like clicks in and you're in the throes of it, you're like, oh no, this is what they were talking about. Like you have to, you have to be your book's advocate. And um, even if you traditionally publish, you're doing the same thing, right? You're traveling, you're talking to you know, people, you're, you're, um, cultivating the people who are already your fans so that they share your book more because, you know, word of mouth sells so many books too. So like, it's really not easy. No, (laughs) not at all. Yeah. So, um, so I guess I hadn't quite anticipated that, like how hard it was going to be and how yeah. much it was going to be. Like the book sells really well when we go to conferences um, mm-hmm. where there are sort of, I guess, like-minded people. Like we went to a, a chaplain luncheon at the National CBF Conference, um, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, which is my denomination. Mm-hmm. And so we sold a ton of books at that conference because all these people were chaplains and they could all relate so much to the story. Right. Um, and I had the chance to do a reading. That's another thing is whenever I get the chance to, to read a little bit of the book, um, it sells really well. Like people, once they hear a little bit of it, they want more, which is great and really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to find opportunities to do that is really hard. And sometimes, you know, it means calling a lot of people and just swallowing your pride and, and saying, please, can I come to this event and do this reading? Um, and sometimes you get a no. Yeah. And other times you have to drive for hours and, um, you know, and spend your own money on gas and hotels and all that to get to this thing and, um, and just hope for the best. And then maybe you don't sell as many books as you were hoping to. It's always (laughs) a risk. Um, so yeah, I was, I read, I read the Martian not long ago before the movie came out Oh yeah, and, um, and was in the end of the, the copy that I had was an interview with Andy Weir, the author. And he was talking about his journey of, of writing that book and it started out on his blog and then, um, you know, he just wrote it like a chapter at a time on his blog and he didn't have mm-hmm. many followers, but, um, the few people that, that read his blog wanted it all in one place. So he put it on Amazon for like 99 cents and then it just started selling like wildfire and people loved it. And I was reading this interview and thought, I hate this guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it should not be this easy for somebody else. Yeah. But technically it's not, you know, I mean, like, I mean, he, how long did he spend, you know, like putting a chapter at a time on his blog and not getting any feedback at all, right? Like there's, there's years that go into that. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe it all of a sudden like 
just like took off for him too. And, and that's great. But like, yeah, that's the way it sounded. And I was, mm-hmm. I, I didn't like him. <laughs> Cause he made it sound so easy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody wants there to be that illusion of easiness. Um, right. But like, but like there's still that beginning, you know, like you're still building your platform, right? That's, that's, where it all comes from is that idea that like there are people out there who know who you are and so they want to read your book but like if until you have those people like your book is just one of so many titles that are out there for other people to to choose or not choose depending on you know how they feel that day and it's just like it can be an ego crushing like place to be right because you're like but my book is so good yeah of course (laughs) And, and I know there are people who would like it if they knew it existed, but they don't. Yeah. And I don't know how to let them know that it exists. You know, that's yeah. the hard part. Yep. That That is the thing that people work on every day, that that people who want to be authors, that they have to work on, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what they call living the dream because <laughs> – like the dream as we know it is it's not real. Like what's real is you have to like be out there. You have to tell people about it because if you don't tell people about this book, then they don't know. But like eventually, you know, if you tell enough people about it, it'll hit the tipping point and and could, you know, maybe it won't do as good as The Martian because <laughs> that was ridiculous. Right. But like word of mouth, it carries a long way once you have enough like critical mass of people, then you know, people start telling more people instead of you having to be the one that's always doing that. So, um, but then you have to weigh that against the, like, is it time to stop promoting this book and move on to the next one? Right? Right. Like, so like, when do you hit that point and when do you move on to what's next? And that's never an easy thing to figure out either. <laughs> Cause you're like, well, but first step is to have the next book. Right. So yeah, so that's what I'm working on now, and um, <laughs> right, exactly. So that's I'm I'm trying to write fifty thousand words of the next book, which I already had a little bit um, to work with before, but it's going to be great to have this big a chunk of material to work with at, at the end of Nano. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else. Oh, I was listening to a different podcast um, the other day, and. And they were just really talking about like, if you're going to write, write for the love of it, don't write for, you know, you're not writing for fame. You're not writing for riches. And Mm -hmm. in the end that comes to some people and that's great. And it doesn't come to all of us. And you can get like, so wrapped up in the idea of like, why isn't it happening for me? But like you do it because, because you have a story that you need to tell. Um, Not because, not because the money's coming because like anybody who plays the writing game for the money is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They crazy. Yes. So, um, yeah. And that's sort of, I mean, the, the thing that I love about it, of course I wanted the fame and fortune when I started, but, but really what I wanted is that feeling that I get when I'm reading a, a really good book that it's like this person can see into my soul and knows exactly what I was thinking and wrote it down on paper. And I feel like this connection to this author that I've never met. And that's what I was hoping for. And that's the part that has exceeded my expectations is that I have had those kinds of Mm. interactions with people that I've never, that I don't know that I have never met and probably never will meet. Um, You know, I, I got like emails from a, 
a British missionary in the Middle East who read my book on Amazon and um, and said that she was like on the verge of giving up and losing her faith and wondering why she was doing this ministry thing anymore. And then she read my book and just thought, you know, if she can get through those doubts and those questions, maybe I can too. And she wrote me this beautiful email about it. Um, and, you know, just I've had messages like that from from people, like I said, that I don't even know. Um, and I have no idea how they found the book, but I'm glad they did. And that sort of makes it all worth it. That's great. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, I mean, you have kind of a niche market, you know, right. people that like, I mean, because there's there's a wider audience that can listen to your, you know, can read your story and can identify with it. But there's there's a specific group of people that you're talking to when you write, I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, and there are people who have been having that experience. They're the missionaries. They're the chaplains. They're the pastors that they're the women that are out there that are like um, that are working with people and like really struggling to, you know, connect their faith in their life, you know together. Um, and so like, I feel like, I feel like it's going to take some more work and some more vision, but I feel like you can get there. You can find that audience and like draw them in. So I encourage you to keep it up. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. And that's sort of, um, I'm, I'm sort of concerned, excited, but also concerned about the next book too, because, I think it really in some ways is aimed at a different audience. Mm. Um, And so I wonder how much crossover there will be of people who read the first book who want to read the second book. And um, maybe there'll be a lot of new people who want to read the second book. I don't know, but there's just um, the second book, there's a lot more humor in it and it's a lot more about, basically it's about two things. It's about my dating life as a a single female minister Mm -hmm. um, and about my dealing with depression um, in the midst of trying to be a minister and help other people through their crises and problems when I'm facing my own. Um, But there's a lot of humor in both of those things, even when I talk about the depression. So it's a really different book than the first one is. So it'll be interesting to see the response to it when I get it done, which I will eventually. Well, it sounds great to me. So, you know, like I think, I don't know, I think, and I think that there's a lot more people out there that deal with those kind of issues than, um, with depression issues, especially, um, there's a lot more people out there that are dealing with that than really talk about it. So, um, that'll be super awesome. And then like, I would love, I would personally love to read about the dating life of a single (laughs) female pastor because I cannot even begin to imagine. I mean, I guess I can, because, you know, like, I mean, I grew up in a pastor's families. Like I know, Uh, I know the Christian culture and I know the Southern Christian culture fairly well. (laughs) Um, so I can only imagine, uh, how awkward and strange and interesting it must be at times. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, it definitely has been. Oh my gosh. Well, keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, and at and and now I have an amazing boyfriend who um is so understanding and supportive of me being a minister, and um we are the same kind of weird, the same kind of crazy, so oh, it works really well. So now I sort of have a happy ending for the book, not to give any spoilers, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to put that whole story together. But he's he's a big part of it. That's exciting. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. I like happy endings. Yeah. <laughs> 
And we are we are so much alike, which is wonderful. And we went on this pretty long road trip together this summer um, to my hometown in Kentucky. And he got some audiobooks for us to listen to on the trip. And the two he chose were um, Tina Fey's Bossy Pants and Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. Nice. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I love you so much. Um, yes. But it was so much fun to listen to those books just because of the humor and everything and how much I could relate to them. But it was also really great to hear both of them talk about, A, how hard it was to write a book, um, which was really rewarding to hear that even these brilliant women that I look up to so much struggled with that. And then also they both told stories about when they were starting out in their profession, like which for them was comedians, um, Mm -hmm. that they would, you know, play to rooms that had like 10 people in them. And I was like, okay, so now I don't feel so bad about my author events where only 20 people show up, you know, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler had to go through it too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you had 20 people show up. I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. (laughs) But I want 200. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, you start with, you start with small groups, you'll get there, you'll get there. Yeah. I have faith. <laughs> um, you know who else you should listen to their um, audiobook or read the book? I, I just have to recommend since you're talking about like um, memoirs of awesome women. Yeah. Um, but is uh, the blogess, have you heard of her? Do you no. know who the blogess is? So you have to look up the blogess. Um, Jenny... Jenny, 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 Jenny Lawson. That's her name. I was like, come on, where is it? Um, but her book is, her first book is called Let's Pretend This Never Happened. <laughs> um, and then she has a second one that came out that I haven't read yet. That is something like Furiously Happy or something like that. It has a cute little um, taxidermy raccoon on the front of it. Um, but <laughs> she is incredible and hilarious and I love her so much you should totally check her out but um she she so she writes humor um and uh she deals with pretty severe depression and anxiety and Uh so like she just like her weirdness and her um her expression and then her humor and trying to like cope with her life is incredible and I love her so definitely definitely check her out oh yeah I sure will (laughs) Sounds like right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's incredible. And yeah, she's the bloggess on like um, Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. You can find her there. Oh, there she is. Yeah, I just looked her up. I'm bookmarking her now. Yay. I highly recommend it. There have been times that I've like read her blog and I've been like crying. I'm laughing so hard at the end of it. And then other (laughs) times that I read it and I'm crying because like the just like when she's talking about like the depression and the emotion and like stuff like that. I'm like, yes, I feel that. I'm so there. So yeah, I just I so respect it and um I don't know, admire it when people are able to open up like that. And mm-hmm. um I think that's the kind of writing that I love. And as scary as it is, when I put that stuff out there, that's the stuff that people respond to the most on my blog too. Right. Um I just a couple weeks ago wrote a blog post called happiness is not just for skinny people. And it was about um, my struggles with weight and body image. Mm -hmm. And it was so raw and so personal. I was really, really scared. And I even I sent it to one of my best friends beforehand. I was like, "Um, is this like, am I crazy for wanting to put this on the blog? Is this going to terrify people and make nobody (laughs) ever want to speak to me again? Um, But she was like, no, I love it. You should definitely put it out there. And so I did. And it's been 
one of my most read blog posts ever. Like thousands nice. of people read it. Um, over 500 people shared it on Facebook and Twitter, which is huge for my little blog. Yeah. Um, and and it was just because it was so, I guess it was so <laughs> naked and relatable um, that it touched a nerve with a lot of people. Nice. Yeah. I think, um, I think that like a lot of people we notice like, um, we notice authenticity, you know, like yeah. when I'm reading, I, I notice authenticity in it. And I also notice when people are feeding me a line, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I can, I can tell and I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, like that is not, that's not what you're really experiencing and it's not how I experience the world. So like, you know, let's get back to what's real. Um, but I also have found, and I think that we're, I am pushing for an age of like more authenticity in people. So like, just like admitting that there's this thing that you're dealing with, you mm -hmm. know, like, cause I deal with anxiety and with depression as well. And it's one of those things that like, when I finally like decided that it was okay to talk about it, it, it actually alleviated some of it. Yeah. Like, not all of it, but it helped with a large part of like the, that like freaked out, awkward feeling that you get of, oh no, I'm letting everybody down or like mm -hmm. people expect me to be a certain way or do a certain thing. And I'm like, no, like I can put it out there and people actually understand. And sometimes people are like, oh my God, I have that problem too. And I need somebody to talk to about it. And you're just like, yes. huh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's not just me, but so like getting that in, um, in book form is incredible. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, so keep your writing up because, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna speak to people. So, and if that blog post is any indication, like, I think it just, you know, like you, you just have to keep working at figuring out how to, like you say, let people know that it's there right? so that they can find it so that they can connect with it so that they can share it with other people and make it as shareable and as like relatable as possible. So you yep. get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm good so not patient, but I'm trying to be patient. <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, so like you've been published for, it's been almost a year or when was, when did the hard copy of the book come out? The hard copy came out in March. Okay. So. And so then, so yeah, January was your ebook. Yeah. Ebook publication date. Cool. Okay. Well, so it's a year. I think, I think, you know. Like it's good to have expectations that are like high, right? But right. like don't don't beat yourself for being where you're at now. I think you're doing a great job. So I know. Marianne always helps me reframe things. You know, I'll mm -hmm. tell her like, I only sold this many books at this event. And so she'll ask me, okay, how many people were there? So you sold to 50% of the participants. That's great. That's a great yeah. ratio. <laughs> Which is true. I'm like, dang, girl, 50%. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so yeah she has like, put me back on track <laughs> <laughs> she's good that way she's good that yes way. <laughs> it's everything you can want in a publisher exactly <laughs> well um what are you reading right now um I've been reading a lot of memoirs since I'm working on one yeah <laughs> so the two that I'm reading right now um and I didn't even know this when I picked them both up but um they're both by Jewish women um very different Jewish women but mm -hmm. one is called how to be a heroine by Samantha Ellis 
Um, and it's sort of, she grew up in London in an Iraqi Jewish community, which I didn't know there was such a thing, but like mm-hmm. her parents fled Baghdad in the fifties, I think during Jewish persecution there. And there was this whole pocket of people in London who had done the same thing. And, um, so she writes about her childhood sort of trying to put together her identity, um, as an Iraqi Jewish woman through the stories of the books that she read as a child, like Jane Eyre and Anne of Green Gables and, um, Gone with the Wind and all these other book heroines and how they related to her own life and what she learned from them. And, um, it's Mm -hmm. a really fun read. I'm enjoying it a lot. And the other one is Devil in the Details by Jennifer Traig. And she um, is also Jewish, but grew up in an American, very um, secular Jewish family. But um, she was suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder, which she didn't know at the time as a child. She wasn't diagnosed yet. But the way hers manifested is when she was going through preparations for her bat mitzvah, she really latched on to all these religious rules um, in Jewish tradition and became obsessed with them about um, keeping kosher. Like her family ate bacon. And so if her sister was cooking bacon, she would just feel like everything she owned was infected and she had to wash all of her clothes and all of her belongings so that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be contaminated by the pork. And um, so it's just about her dealing with um what does she call it I can't remember there's a specific name for the religious um OCD but uh, she's really she's got a really great sense of humor about it so it's a really funny book and I'm enjoying that one too nice that's awesome I um my experience with memoir is relatively limited believe it or not ah. um, uh I've read a few but not a lot um I can edit a memoir pretty well because like, I feel like you just, you have to find the thread and follow the thread through mm-hmm. of the story, you know, like it's not, it's not that difficult to edit, but, um, but I just haven't picked up a whole lot of them. But one of my favorites is actually, um, it's called sleeping with cats. Um, huh. and it's by one of my favorite authors whose name is Marge Piercy. Um, she's also Jewish. Um, and cool. she, was writes about her life during the um like she's really feminist um so like during the women's lib kind of like 1960s era she writes about that and her thread through the novel or through the memoir is cats like you know the cats that she had when she was young and cats that she had as she was like moving through her life and everything and i mean i just think it's i think it's wonderful it was a great memoir cool um but so I have to recommend again. Yeah. I'll check <laughs> um, that one out. Yeah. And and the Jewish aspect, it's really interesting to me. I I just find it fascinating. Like her her experience with it is more secular Judaism. Um, mm-hmm. but um really interesting to like hear her connecting with that um and how it shaped her life as well. So um yeah, I I, I, and that, and well, I just read, um, Amanda Palmer's memoir, The Art of Asking, and I love that. Oh, okay. I'm a big Amanda Palmer fan, so, um, and Sam will scoff at me for that probably, but I don't (laughs) care. Um, (laughs) I love Amanda Palmer and I just like the raw authenticity that she has in her life and her art, um, and how she lives her life in front of 
the public. Um, anyways, she's just really interesting to me. So it was a good book. Good read. Nice. Um, but so right now I am reading and, and listeners, this podcast is being recorded like a day after the one with Molly. So I'm <laughs> still reading Ravens in Winter. I'm sorry. That's what I'm working on right now. Um, reading is, it's a um, nonfiction book that is about Raven behavior. And I'm really excited because it <laughs> ties into the novel that I'm writing. Uh-huh. Um, because my main character, um, she trains ravens. She has birds um and they're a big part of her life um and so i was like i need as i'm drafting i'm like i really want there to be more about ravens in this and it's not there yet and i realized it's because i just don't know enough about them to feel like i can accurately describe them and their interaction with the characters so i was like well i need to do some research yeah (laughs) so i grabbed a book yeah so that's what I'm into right now. That and I just started Sabriel, Sabriel by Garth Nix. Um, it's a YA fantasy um, that has kind of been on my list for a while. And somebody again recommended it the other day to me, and um, I found that I could borrow it digitally from the library. So oh, on nice. my Kindle, and I just started, just started reading it. So um, super fun and interesting. It, or it should be from what I hear. So I'll weigh in on that later. <laughs> I'm literally not even through the prologue on it. So, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> can't give me too many details, but anyways. Oh, I forgot. We said we were going to talk about Star Wars. So I was oh, going yeah. to ask you, have you read any of the new Star Wars novels that are supposed to get you ready for the movie? No, I haven't. Um, I actually, on my list of things that I really, really want to do and I just haven't done it yet is read um, Aftermath by Chuck Wendig. Yeah, that's one that's on my list too. Yeah. And um, I've never, I I didn't read Star Wars before, you know, Uh like I wasn't, it's not how I experienced the Star Wars universe. It was the movies for me and always the movies. so like I was considering going back and reading some of the old stuff, um, but then Chuck put out this book and then shit hit the fan, <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, I'm sorry. That's what happened. Like, yeah. People went crazy over it and like the, the trolls and the weird like people from like that were like old universe, like mm-hmm. whoever those people are, like they really started coming out and just being horrible yeah and I was like okay well you know I've never read a Star Wars book before but I'm gonna read that one because (laughs) like I want to support like where Chuck was going with it and and I'm really excited for the movie I'm really like interested to see what they do and like where they're gonna take the the story and I love that they're gonna have a tie-in with you know the old characters too so Yes. So like, yes, I'm going to read it. I just haven't yet. <laughs> I haven't either. But every time something new comes out about the new movie, every time there's a new, you know, 30 second preview, right. um, I just get so excited, even more excited for it than I was before. And um, I li- I'm, I'm really engaged with the new characters. Just the more I hear about them, I'm excited that, you know, that the, un- the Star Wars universe is becoming more diverse, that we've got, you know, an African-American yes. man and a young woman as the leads. Um, 
even though apparently the toys still haven't caught up and they're still leaving the girl characters out of all the toys and merchandise and clothing and stuff, which makes me ragey, but um, (laughs) hopefully that'll get better. And and I'm really excited to hear that Princess Leia is not Princess Leia anymore. She's a general now. Like, how badass is that? Right. Um, She actually (sighs) is responsible and like... Yes, which she always had such great, you know, leadership potential. Like, you got that in the first trilogy. Um, So I'm excited to see how that's all played out over the the decades that have passed since Return of the Jedi. Yes, I'm super excited too. And I mean, you know, like moving forward, it'll be good to... um, to experience the new characters but again like i'm so glad that that they're gonna fold in um han and leia and luke just to like to pass the guard you know to like to bring it forward and tie it all back together because i really like i just love them and like i mean when i saw that first preview that they did where like Han says, we were home. I like cried <laughs> and I had to watch it again and I cried again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. But like I did too. And that like half a second clip in the in the long preview where um Leia and Han hug. Yeah. And you just see the look on her face. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna totally lose it in the theater. So I know, I know. But um yeah, it's I'm excited. Yes, me too. Yeah. Did you did yeah. you read the other books like growing up? Um, I did when I was, I guess I was in like middle school or high school when the Timothy Zahn trilogy came out. Um, uh-huh. and, and those books were great. They, um, I'm kind of sad that they're not considered canon anymore. Like I'm excited to see the new direction, the new movies are going to take the story, but, um, mm-hmm. I really liked the continuing story for a lot of the characters in those and, and also the new characters that he came up with. So, um, so yeah, I, I was thinking about going back and rereading those just because they were so much fun, and I wonder what it would be like to read them as an adult. But yeah, yeah. you may have like such a different um, lens to look at them through now too. Yeah, which is when people like talk about you know like they talk about their childhood and like how the Disney or you know because Disney is the one that is producing it right right yeah disney owns star wars now yeah and so they're like disney's ruining my childhood i'm like dude you're not a kid anymore so yeah maybe like revisit some of that and see if it doesn't make sense to like to do things a little differently than they did them before because you know like it's possible that that needs to happen and like the lens that you view things through as a child is so much different than the one you do as an adult and if it's not then we have a different problem yes (laughs) but (laughs) a very different problem and I think that a lot of those ragey trolls that are out there you know (laughs) that are like freaking out about stuff that that's their problem is that they've really just never grown up um, yeah to be able to look at things differently than they did then um, and so like, we'll just, we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that that's all it is. But, um, <laughs> but like, so yeah, I mean, you know, I'd be interested to know. And, and part of me thinks I should go back and read some of those now so that I, because I would use the lens that I have now, um, to look at it through, um, and just really with a critical eye, but I don't know, maybe I would just read it to tear it down too. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean it's it's going to be so different seeing these movies as as an adult. I mean, I was sort of an adult when the prequels came out, I guess, and yeah. um I was I was in college when The Phantom Menace came out and um 
hated those movies, but, but I wondered, I wondered how I would have looked at them if I were a kid, because I was just, you know, I was like four when Empire Strikes Back came out. And I remember seeing it in the theater and just how magical that was. And I know people younger than me who have the same kind of magical memories about seeing the prequels. And I'm just like, oh my God, really? They're terrible. But um, but I realized that I was seeing them through a whole different lens at a very different point in my life. And, um, and I mean, I spent the night in a, a movie theater parking lot to get tickets for opening night of The Phantom Menace and was just terribly disappointed. So, yeah. so part of me is really, you know, wary about what these new movies are going to be like. But um, but I don't think it's going to be a repeat of the prequel debacle. I have a lot of hope for these. <laughs> no, yeah, I think, I mean, I think because we have a different director. Yes. Because we have, like, you know, the the, like vision and the the quality assurance you know that goes into the group and who's producing it now I think it'll be fine I think that and I've said this before on this podcast I think that Lucas kind of overstepped his his creative bounds on the first uh, the prequels yeah I mean he's a he's a great ideas man but he's not a good writer and he's not a good director and he should have turned those jobs over to somebody else Star Wars always worked better when he let somebody else do those things you know yeah I agree so um so I still have high hopes and I'm ready to be disappointed and (laughs) you know it's okay um but but I definitely want to go into it with the mind to enjoy it and then we'll see where we go from there but. Yeah, and I think they learned a lot from the mistakes of the prequels too. And um, I love that they're doing more practical effects and not so much CGI with these movies. Right. Like they're they're on right. real actual sets and not green screens. And yes, um, that's going to be. I think that, that even just things like that make a huge difference. Oh no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think um, that I, I think that. I mean, audiences, we know the difference. We're much oh, yeah. more sophisticated than that. And so like whatever he was doing before, it just, you know, he was trying to take advantage of something that the audience was like, we're not going to let you do that. Right. <laughs> like it's really not okay. And there was no emotional weight to it. Like we weren't invested in these these fake characters that don't exist outside a computer and these fake right. places that are just green screen. So. Right. Exactly. So. We will see. We will have to have you on the podcast again after the movie comes out so we can all geek out about it. Yes. So <laughs> that's like a month from now. So I know. Um, I can't believe it's only a month away. <laughs> only a month away. I've been waiting for it for literally years. Like my time hop came up the other day and it was like three years ago that they announced that Lawrence Kasdan was writing the script and I was so excited. <laughs> three <laughs> years <awesome>. ago. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> I have a lot of time invested in this. Yes, it better be good. (laughs) Oh, well, if it's not, then we'll start working on the next screenplay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We'll make it good. We'll be like, guys, this is how it should go. Yeah, we know how it's done. I'm sure Sam will collaborate with us on that too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, Stacey, I think it's time to wrap it up here. So um if people want to learn more about you and your awesome books where can they find you um they can go to my website at stacynsargent.com um they can find me on twitter at stacynsargent or on facebook at stacynsargent for my author page so you're on twitter and facebook and then your book is on amazon yes the ebook is on amazon um being called chaplain is the title or the hard copy is available through harrelsonpress.com, my publisher's website. 
Awesome. Yeah. So make sure if you have listeners, if you have a manuscript that you are dying to get published, you can um, check out harrelsonpress.com and um, find out more about Harrelson Press and uh, send your manuscript on to Mariana and um, she will she will work with you to get it published because she's awesome and she has a vision and um, she takes good care of her authors apparently. So absolutely. um, (laughs) So check her out. Um, And if you have a manuscript that you think you'd like to get published at some point, but you know, it's not ready yet. um, You should check me out um, on the web at www.writingrefinery.com or on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Goodreads all at Writing Refinery. I'm around to talk about books and about craft and to help you with whatever stage your manuscript is in. If you need more developmental work done or if you need just copy editing or proofreading done, I can do those things as well. Um, And I enjoy it. I love working with authors to get their story in the best shape possible. So check me out. Um, And... So that wraps it up for us today. And thank you again, Stacey, for being here and for talking with me. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait to have you back. So Thanks. hopefully Mariana will be back someday too, but yes. I mean, it's only been a week. so Right. She's really <laughs> kind of busy with baby Ben right now. A little bit, a little bit, but we miss you, Mariana. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. <laughs>